welcome to the Next Wave podcast brought to you by Headstream. Headstream believes in the powerful potential of digital platforms to uplift and empower youth well-being. Through vulnerable, valuable, evolving, and supportive connections being built into online spaces. Learn more about Headstream, an initiative by Second Muse, at headstreaminnovation.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Next Wave, where we are talking with young folks about topics related to digital technologies, youth wellness, and how we can support each other and support our young people in using those technologies so that they can be well. Today, we are joined by Alana, who is a sophomore at Stanford Online High School and a Headstream Fellow. Welcome, Alana. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you today? Hi, Yvonne. I'm glad to be here. Having a pretty good day. It goes without saying. Welcome, Mina. I know you're here. How are you today? I'm great, Yvonne. Thank you. Being your co-host is always a pleasure. So we're going to just hit the ground running. We really like to start these conversations around wellness. Wellness is something that we speak about all the time. We hear it in the news and our social medias. A lot of organizations are doing projects around wellness, but we don't always take the time to slow down and explore what wellness means to each of us. So Alana, we're going to start with you. We're going to start with this question. What does wellness or well-being mean to you? I like to think of wellness as a process and not really a state. I used to think of it as being at an optimal level of physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, just getting to an optimal level of all of those things and just kind of bettering myself towards that. And I guess what I realized is that it's not really attainable to be perfect and get to optimal levels. So I've kind of discovered that wellness is more of sticking with yourself and accounting for when things get hard and when things are really good. I think a really good imagery that I like is that of a river and you stick to your own river and there's going to be really rough patches and rocky patches and there's going to be smooth sailing and I guess to stick with it. And I really like this analogy because something I've learned really recently actually is that when you go to a rough patch, you don't keep going super fast. You don't keep on your boat. And then if something breaks, you don't just keep going. You stop for repairs, you go slower, you go cautiously. And I've learned that when I'm really stressed out, when I have a lot to do, and I just am not at 100% capacity, that it's okay to slow down. It's okay to ask for more time, push deadlines back even if it means swallowing my pride on account of my own well-being. And I also think that asking for help is a big thing. You can't just build your boat on your own to navigate your own river. You need help. I've learned that asking for help is not a weakness, but more of a collective strength. I love that analogy of the river and how the way that you need to take care of your boat when you're through certain rough patches or when the rapids get really fast. And it makes a lot of sense. And honestly, I hear you and I can imagine it. And especially when thinking about the well-being of young people. And the next question that I really want to ask you is specifically thinking about well-being as a process, the way that you've explained, how would you describe that connection between youth wellness and digital spaces? What are the aspects of wellness that are supported? What are those rough patches 
of wellness that are experienced and limited by digital spaces. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on that. I have to say that young people totally use digital spaces every day. I use a lot of my social medias every single day. And it's a large part of our lives, a large part of our social lives, how we engage with our interests, with people we like. And I have to say most digital spaces aren't really built for youth well-being. And it's kind of a constant balance between oh, I really want to use these apps. I really want to use these platforms because I want to keep in touch with my friends, especially now when it's almost the only way to get social interaction. It's like, I want to meet new people. I want to keep in touch with old friends. I want to keep putting myself out there. But on the other hand, there are a lot of things to navigate when using social media. And So I guess I'll start with the things that, especially from my interviews, I've heard that youth really wish there was more of in digital spaces. I found this broke up into two pieces, which is choice and guidance. Some concrete examples of this from my interviews is that we would like the choice to be able to get off the apps whenever we want to. And you may think, well, it's, yeah, you can quit an app whenever But a lot of these apps are made to be addictive and made to make you stay on the app using features like infinite scroll or automatically playing the next video. There's a lot of gamification as well. And it's really difficult, especially as a young person, where our self-control maybe isn't as matured and developed enough that we need more choices and also the guidance to know, oh, how much time is good and time limits and stuff is good for this. But I think that they're kind of more of a band-aid solution to where we really should be going into looking at our design for digital spaces and making sure the design is built for young people and built for helping us with our well-being. And Another example I can think of is, this is a very personal example to me, is for a long time I was really obsessed with weight loss. And so every digital platform or a lot of digital platforms have this kind of feed or explore page where things that are based off your past interests kind of pop up. And obviously I was looking at a lot of weight loss journeys and weight loss tips. And I think over time I began to realize that I wasn't loving myself as much. I wasn't loving my body or where I was at or content with myself. So I decided to not really be as engaged with weight loss. But the problem was I was still using digital platforms. And because of my past preferences, it kept popping up. More weight loss stuff kept popping up. And it's really not helpful when there's no function to say, I don't really want to see these anymore because that's not what I want to see right now. And it was actually really difficult to get out of that state of being where it's like, I need to lose weight. When you keep seeing pictures of people who's like, oh, I lost 50 pounds or five foods to help you lose weight. And it would have been really nice, I think. And this is not a unique experience to me. I've heard other people with similar experiences. It'd be really nice to be able to 
say, I don't want to see this kind of stuff anymore. It sounds like from your experience, it's really the experience of having that choice and that guidance taken away from you, where you're hoping to head in a different direction and how you utilize social media. But it almost feels like you're forced to continue absorbing that same content that the logarithm had already established for you. And so that concept of choice and guidance as a core value, as a core vision for digital technologies is especially important given that river image that you created. Because all of us might be using different modes of transportation on our own river of wellness. I might be using a canoe made out of wood or I have this industrial ship, depending on who I am as a person. And so each of us can really construct different ways of navigating our own wellness. But it's things like social media that can make that process more difficult. Like maybe it's the equivalent of bringing a rock to the ship or it's things that offer us more guidance like a compass. And so Mina... How would you say that social media plays a role in your ship? And you're next, Alana. You'll be answering this too. So if you had to give a symbolic purpose to social media in the way that you navigate your own river of wellness, what would you describe it like? Oh, man. I've never had to think about this before. Honestly, I try to use my social media as a way of building community. So how can you bring other people that you find in the river into your own boat, I guess? It's sonar. Social media is your sonar. Yes. You gave me the word for it. Yeah, I think social technologies are my sonar, but it's really easy for it to not be for all of the reasons that Alana shared. Honestly, it's a hard journey because... It's really what you put in is what you'll get out and where you put your feed or what you choose to engage with. But also things, there are algorithms that put things deliberately in front of you based on data that takes our age and this information. And so it gets me really excited for how this new wave of digital sonars can exist to help us to really navigate through the uplifting and positive aspects. Yeah, I would say that for me, I have a similar experience with social media and the role it plays. Realistically, many times it's the equivalent of an anchor where I feel like it makes me get stuck in one place. But I would like for it to be more like a compass. So similar to you, like a sonar connecting you with people who are out there. For me, it's I would say more like a compass, like wanting to be connected to people who think in a way that I do and challenging me to think about things differently and consider different directions to go in. So for me, that would be how I would experience it. How about you, Alana? I totally agree what you guys have said. (laughs) I love the inner imagery of a sonar. I think there's definitely amazing parts of digital spaces. I mean, think about it. Like we're all stuck at home right now and we're still able to communicate with people all over the world. I just think that's super cool. And I really like social media as a self-expression and place of community, like among my friends. I really enjoy seeing what kind of music they like and just learning more about them when they post on their stories or something like that. And then on the other hand, there's also, if you're interested in fashion, there's plenty of fashion bloggers. Or if you're interested in painting, then there's a lot of watercolor, acrylic, all sorts of accounts. And I really love this sense of community. It makes you feel a little less alone in the world. And there's also a lot of little spots of brightness and uplifting messages and posts. And there's totally a really bright side 
of a lot of digital spaces. And I enjoy seeking those out and including them in my day. Knowing that digital spaces and social technologies can be a tool to get us connected with people or to keep us anchored in potentially bad, unhealthy places. What would you wish for digital technology so that they can better support the wellness of young people? I think first and foremost, it is really important for social technologies to put human connection and wellness at the forefront, at the center of their design, and not really like an afterthought. I think that is an excellent first step. And then also listening to your target audience, including, yes, in this case, youth or anyone else who you're making the technology for, really listening to their struggles and what they need, and especially trying to keep diverse voices in there, because often when things are made for the majority, then the minority gets a little left behind. And I guess drawing back to my choice and guidance from what I heard from a lot of my interviews is, yeah, to really incorporate choices. And I didn't really expand on this as much, but guidance, because as a youth, there wasn't really much guidance when I first got into digital spaces. It was just like, oh, here's your username. Here's how the platform works. Go off into it. And nobody really taught me how to navigate and make sure I didn't see too much of the negative stuff and how to navigate the culture of the platform. And you were also thrown into the water without floaties, essentially. Yeah. Like, here's your own <laughs> river. Figure it out. Yeah, here's a brand new boat. You don't really know how to use it. Make up your own user guide, make up your own sense of direction, but figure it out on your own. And that's really unfair. Would you say that that is a typical experience for most young people? Oh, yeah, totally. Most every person I interviewed was like, yeah, I didn't get much guidance. And what they did get was from their parents. And I mean, our parents didn't really grow up with it. So (laughs) their advice is probably pretty sound, but maybe not the most relevant. And it would have been super helpful to just have somebody or something tell me that the things you post, they don't ever go away. You can delete them, but they're still there. And so to be careful about the image you put out there, guidance is really important. Guidance is important. And I'm just thinking about Gosh, how much of what you're saying that would be so useful. You took the words right out of the mouths of so many young people that I personally work with or of my own past experiences. And you're really emphasizing the value of human connection and also the value of what are people's needs? What do they need in this space? What are those literal tools? And so I'm curious now, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your project and how have you been impacted by the people that you interviewed? How did that help you value human connection through this process? And also, what did you learn about yourself as you conducted these interviews, as you listened to these different stories? My project was really focused on that relationship between wellness and social media specifically. And I really wanted to investigate the impacts of social media on youth well-being And I thought this was really important because there aren't a whole lot of resources out there surrounding social media and wellness. And I don't think even the ones that are there, they don't really include the voices of young people themselves. And I would argue that we're the ones who need it the most. 
So I really wanted to be able to draw from collective experience and create a place where people would feel like they're not alone and also tips and quotes and ideas for navigating social media and wellness. Could you tell us a little bit before you tell us what you heard and what you found out about the impact of social media and young people? Can you briefly tell us what were some of the assumptions that you had going in? Like, what did you assume the impact was? What were the ideas that you were walking in asking these questions and these interviews? I completely thought that I would find one overarching piece of advice that would work for everybody. And I could just slap it on there and be like, all right, everybody follow this and you'll be able to navigate social media and your wellness well. And what I found is it doesn't really work that way. I mean, every person is unique. And so different things really work for different people. I think one example of this is I thought maybe I'd find the age to get social media so I asked everybody, it's like, what age did you get it? What age do you think you should have gotten it? And I got totally varied answers anywhere from like 12 to 15. And I think what one person said really stuck out to me. She said that for her, maybe the age would have been 13. But for her friends, she only got it very recently when she was 16. Because her friend knew herself. She knew that she relied on the opinions of other people. And she knew that the opinions of other people affected her a lot. So she decided that, hey, maybe I'm not going to get social media yet because I know that I need to develop a sense of self-worth on my own merit before going out there into social media where a lot of your existence is built upon other people's opinions, whether it be likes, follows, comments. And I thought that was super interesting because that's not the same age for everyone. That's just recognizing when you're ready yourself. And I thought that was pretty cool. Made me think about what was a good age for me (laughs) and whether it's the same for everybody, which I don't think it is. Thinking back in our conversation so far, this really is revolving around an acknowledgement about the impact, the value of what our connection to other people and those relationships have on our day to day. And I think a lot of that is emphasized by you saying that we could benefit from guidance and choice in social media, because that is going to impact the way we connect with ourselves and connect with people around us. The same thing with how social media impacts us individually on how just getting likes, getting comments, that is a form of human connection. And maybe we need to value it more because whether we want it or not, it's likely to have an impact. So knowing that you had a lot of contact with your peers, how were you impacted by the people that you interviewed? There's so many things. Some of them I would only realize after and be like, wow, I think I learned that from my interviews. But I think a lot of people talked about how they put time limits on, how they turn notifications off for their apps when they wanted to focus. And I tried all of those things. And it was pretty cool. But I think one really prominent moment was when I was on my Explore page on Instagram and I was seeing some pictures of girls and I was thinking, oh, I wish I looked like them. And I was going to click on it to see who it was. And then 
I heard a voice in my head. It's almost one of the voices of one of the people I interviewed, and she was saying how, you know, sometimes social media causes me to not love myself as much. And I heard the voice and was like, is looking further into this picture and maybe seeing related pictures, are they going to make you feel better or worse about yourself? And I was like, huh, maybe I won't feel as great. So then I decided not to look at it. I decided to close the app and go do something else. And that's a train of thought that I don't think has really gone through my mind before. And I think that's something you develop in time with guidance and experience. And it's pretty amazing. It's like, wow, I'm really grateful to all the people I interviewed and the impact it had on me personally and the impact I hope to have by using those interviews on many others. Let's try to digest this, Mina. How can we folks who are supporting young people really take guidance from what we just heard Alana say? What are some of the things that those of us that are holding space with young people, for young people, how can we really incorporate the fact that all of us are impacted by human connection, but maybe we don't value it as much as we should? It makes me think of that saying, you can never have too much of a good thing. I have a feeling this is an example when that's not true. We can have too much bad human connection. And even though human connection is fundamentally good, we are just not being mindful of the role that it should really play in our lives. So what are some of the key nuggets that we can start translating into action? Yvonne, I totally hear you. Alana, everything you're saying, I'm really trying to digest it in the ways that I think every young girl that has experienced what you described on social media is very, very real with very severe consequences. And I'm thinking about how I've heard you during this fellowship talk about this idea about culture and how social media and culture are so interconnected. And when creating for youth, it really depends on the culture of our outside world that we're fueling into our digital spaces. So it almost becomes a conversation about what is the culture that we want to build? What are those values that are implicit to that culture that will actually uplift youth well-being? How are youth the protagonists in building that culture? And I think we can model that, actually. I'm realizing now that in asking you and I to think of how do we translate Ilana's experience into actionable things, that alone takes away the voice and the power of young people. So I'm going to reframe this and ask Alana, how can we take your experience in recognizing that it is possible to grow and to feel seen just by connecting with our peers? So that experience that you have, how can we older folks help that be something that happens more often or that happens with less barriers? Yeah. What Mina said about culture is so true. That's another thing to think about when you design things, because the culture you create on platforms is partly influenced by the design of your app or design of your digital space. I think one maybe example of this is the gamification of human value, kind of a currency on human connection in the terms of likes, follows, comments, I think that makes for a very shallow connection and that doesn't really substitute for real face-to-face conversation or voice-to-voice conversation. And so I think to really value genuine connection means to definitely put it at the forefront 
and recognize that not all connection is the same. And I think it's totally okay to have the more shallow forms of connection and communication as long as you are not substituting it for um, deeper connection, which I tend to find in-person conversations face-to-face. And I think a lot of people I've talked to agree with that. So I'm thinking about what might be the best next direction to move in our conversation here, because we have a lot of good nuggets here about the need for guidance and choice and social platforms as young people are navigating not just themselves, but the connections that they make with each other. I can't help but hear other people saying like, young people don't know how to make the best choice for themselves. Why should we give them choice? They're not going to listen to an adult. So why should we give them guidance? So I guess what I'm really wondering now is what is the impact that you're hoping to have with the work that you're doing? What do you want folks to walk away with? What is the awareness? What is the realization? Why should people take this conversation and then internalize it into their own lives? I cannot pretend to deny that teens especially do not love listening to adult instruction. (laughs) But I think that there is something that stuck out to me. I asked somebody, oh, what, what would have helped you as a young person when you first started using social media? And she said, maybe a mentor, like an older mentor who's gone through it and has had similar experiences but kind of has more of a bigger picture idea of how to use social media. And I was like, huh, yeah. So I guess the way that connects to the impact I want to have on youth and the world is my project. I really hope to be able to bring the insights of both what I've learned and what my interviewees have said. And I hope to provoke thought into what is wellness, and then to help people really think about their social media experience. With that, I kind of want to be that mentor. I have an Instagram page that I am doing this on, and I'm sharing a lot of quotes and tips, and the Instagram handle is at story.well, if you'd like to go check it out. The way this connects to the impact I want to have on youth in the world is that I want to be able to empower youth to have a voice and take hold of the issues that they care about. And for me, affirmation is two things. It's kind of like being a mentor. It's affirmation and the tools. Affirmation being, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone in feeling like for some reason after you use social media, you don't feel so great afterwards. You're not alone in thinking that there needs to be changes and the tools to better your own experiences. Like the things I mentioned earlier about time limits and really thinking about who you're following and whether you really want to see that content. I think that's all really important advice that I wish I had and I mean other people will find really useful and helpful, especially my peers. It's really easy to feel alone And I think empowerment is one step further to changing the world, one person at a time. For the world, I want people to know that young people care. We care about our well-being. We care about our experiences with digital spaces. 
And the part of my project that focuses on this is a change.org petition to social media companies, which it would be great if they could see it and implement some of the things that I'm trying to say. The main purpose is to raise awareness. There are issues with a lot of the social technologies that exist right now and that there are ideas and ways to either change them or build new ones from the ground up. Yes, Alana, yes. I'm so stoked just by even the fact that you would be making such a petition and like how that level of awareness can really create change. And I'm so excited for how your Instagram account would really be that source, that toolkit that you were describing. It's a guidance. Yeah. I'm really captivated by those two things that you said, Alana, about the necessity or the importance of choice and guidance. And I think that Instagram that you're putting together is one of those many tools that can offer some guidance. While right now we know that social media companies, a lot of social technologies don't necessarily have choice and guidance at the forefront of their platform. So I think right now we need to compensate for that by finding choice and guidance through other means. And I think that Instagram that you're putting together could offer some of that to all of us. And even just thinking about the name of this podcast, it's called The New Wave. And Alana, your page is part of that new wave of these new spaces, new digital platforms that will serve as a source of empowerment, a place to be able to navigate through the tricky times, the questions within the self, being a source of joy. You're part of that new wave. And I'm so excited to see how this will flourish. Alana, I really want you to share the little tidbit about the inspiration behind your Instagram handle so our listeners can really understand the symbolism and how meaningful every aspect of this page had thought put into it. Yeah, I am very proud of the name. When I came up with it, I was like, wow, I'm a genius. (laughs) Yeah, so I was thinking I'm storytelling, basically. I'm using the people I interviewed, their stories to tell a more collective story about wellness and social media. So It's stories about wellness, story well, but it's also a well of stories. I like to think of a well. Wells have water and they're really nourishment. You know, you need water to live. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that you need this Instagram page to live, but it is nourishment. I'm hoping for it to be a bright spot, a little rejuvenating post to come up on your feed and to take a break from a lot of social media's kind of pressure and culture. We like stop and slow down and be like, hey, yeah, I want to think about my wellness. I want to think about what I'm doing with this app. Yeah, so well of stories and stories about wellness. You sound so hesitant to say that. I think that's amazing. All the layers there. I think there's a lot of intentionality and it's intentionality that I respect. And also, this is a perfect moment in my mind to plug your TED Talk because this concept of a story well not only just merges well with the imagery of water and the river and whatnot, but it's just this concept of stories that will be collected there and are accessible there. And you as an individual have an amazing story, not only right now as someone who's collecting stories of your peers and telling their stories, but you, before you started doing this project, you have had 
a very empowering narrative. Your TED Talk is called Teens, Technology, and the Antidote. So there is clearly a trajectory that this is a passion of yours, but you also come across as really confident, very empowered. So what in your life pointed you in this direction about the importance of stories, the importance of having to talk about the role of social media in our ability to experience wellness? What in your life brought you here? First, thank you for the shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, I did give a TED talk at TEDx Oakland titled Teens, Technology, and the Antidote. And brief little rundown. The antidote I found was genuine human connection. It seems simple, but for some reason, it's sometimes difficult to attain. And that's an interesting question. I think I can't really pinpoint one turning moment in my life where it's like, yeah, this is what I'm interested in and what I want to do. But I think little moments, starting with my parents, they didn't want me to have social media because of stuff they read online and they wanted me to not be affected. But I was really sad because I felt super left out because all my friends had social media so I actually did end up secretly downloading it. I got in big trouble for that. But I think that was the first point where I heard my parents and then I downloaded myself. I kind of realized what they were talking about. There's a lot of negative culture on the way social media is used today, especially for if I was a little middle schooler. I didn't really know myself that well. And I think as I got older, I started to realize the real life impact social media was having on people. There was this girl in eighth grade, she would only bring a bar for lunch all day. And everyone would always be concerned like, oh, dude, do you want some food? I have extra on my lunch. And she'd be like, no, it's okay. And I realized she didn't like her body. She didn't love her body. She was unhealthily <laughs> trying to just eat a bar for the entire day to lose weight. And I kind of made the connection to social media in that there's plenty of media. There's always been a social expectation of body image and gender roles and that kind of stuff. But with social media, it's right there in your face, in your pocket in, all the time. And you just get bombarded with these messages that stems from monetization. And I think I saw this quote this one time. If people really love themselves, then they wouldn't buy things that they thought would make themselves better and other people wouldn't make as much money. I thought that was pretty profound because I think a lot of things are sold and images are perpetuated because of people not loving themselves. And I'm not sure if this is really an answer, but I've always had a lot of compassion and empathy for people and my friends and myself. And knowing that there was something out there hurting people I loved, I really wanted to change that. I think that's absolutely an answer. In fact, I can't help but just really admire the level of compassion that you've been having from a very early age. And the dots that you really connected for me right now in this conversation is how many times, despite our best efforts, it's difficult to ignore the impact of social media in our lives. And some of us might have the tools, the guidance and the choice 
to remove ourselves and distance ourselves from those impacts. But there are other people who have much more real painful impacts, like not giving yourself healthy food or having extremely negative self-talk. Those are real impacts that can really have awful outcomes. And so hearing you acknowledge that from such an early age makes a lot of sense as to why where you are right now, because you're 15, right? I just turned 16 recently. Hey, that's right. Happy (laughs) late birthday. (laughs) But imagine that we're talking about a little under a decade. You've gone through an entire journey where you saw people are being hurt. You thought to yourself, this is not what life can be for everyone. So I'm going to take up my own part of the puzzle and I'm going to start putting puzzle pieces together so that people don't need to experience this level of pain and instead experience that genuine human connection. And I'm just excited that we are riding this new wave with you, Alana. From everything you've shared so far, you really are a protagonist. You are a leader in this space. And I'm just so excited to see how all of these different initiatives you've taken on are going to grow and flourish and a movement will be catalyzed where other youth will be joining you. And suddenly we're going to see these new digital platforms that we couldn't even conceptualize being there as a useful tool, a spark that will help us and guide all young people toward that better self and go through that river together and really not have to default to the things that currently exist. And I'm so excited. And honestly, I'm so grateful that we were able to have you on today's episode and just watching you flourish through this fellowship and seeing all the other ways in which your path is going to twist and turn. I'm so excited and I'm excited for us to be a part of this community and for you to be a leader in it. And so thank you so much for joining us today, Alana. Well, thank you for having me. And I just want to say, I really love what Headstream is doing. I'm so excited for the next wave of digital platforms that will really be centered around youth well-being to be put out there into the world. I'm super excited and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. So yeah, thank you for having me. As we're starting to wrap up, I have one last question for the three of us. One of the key themes that I'm going to be walking away with, and it's something that Alana and I have spoken about before, is the importance of recognizing that different things work for different people. And there's a lot of things that we can have in place, we can have guidance, we can have choice. But what it will come down to is that different things work for different people. So I'm wondering if we can go around. And as the last thing that we will share today is what is one thing that helped you find what works for you? So not necessarily what helps you individually navigate your own river of wellness. What is something, what is an experience? What is a mantra? What is an app that helped you find what works for you? Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess I'll go first. I would say it's a kind of mantra that I like applying to a lot of different things. I think I touched on it before, but it's okay to not be okay. It's totally fine and totally human to not have the best days all the time and to account and accept that and be gentle with yourself. Or maybe that's my mantra, be gentle with yourself. Or maybe I have multiple mantras. <laughs> I like all of them. It's those affirmations. Yeah. I'm a little too hard on myself academically, socially, in general. Yeah. Being gentle with myself. I'll go next. So Mina could have the last word. 
I'll say for me, it's also a bit of a mantra. It's a saying, whenever I feel unwell, the thought that cycles in my thoughts is everybody deserves to be well and supported when they're not. And that really normalizes that if I'm unwell, it's not because there's something fundamental about who I am that makes me deserve to be unwell. And that in fact, there are things that I can do to be well, because all of us deserve to be well, and that all of us deserve to be supported in that process. So that would be mine. Just that reminder is often what has helped me explore different things if something is no longer working. I love all of these. They're all so relatable and so relevant. I guess my thing that helps me or basically how have I been able to use digital spaces to be the thing that supports my well-being is just how to really find those pockets of knowledge that will help me through those processes, whether it's the rough and the good during my mental well-being, my spiritual well-being, my physical well-being. Like if I want to be healthy, how do I be healthy and not just try to look like an Instagram model and use unhealthy means to get there? How do I become mentally healthy? How do I gain tips and knowledge about how to time manage and stress manage and therefore tame my anxiety? Or how do I really tap into spiritual knowledge from different sources of quotes and readings that can really fuel my soul and empower the virtues that I strive every day to hope to acquire? And so being able to use these platforms in those ways, but truthfully, a lot of what I want, it doesn't exist yet because our culture is changing so rapidly and we are evolving so rapidly. That's why I love Headstream because I need, my students need, my peers need, the future generation will need a source of technology that will really be able to guide them along this process to build a better world and to be healthy for themselves and to be gentle with themselves. And so we can have a better world. That ended up sounding so loaded, but that's how I feel. But honestly, it's because I'm deriving so much inspiration from each of you, each of the fellows, Yvonne, you, you are all such a source of inspiration for me. And I'm just excited to know that we're a community and the fellowship has ended, but the community will last a lifetime. And what we do together and the people that we bring onto this movement and the ways in which we really break down these barriers of human connection, the way Ilana has showed us how to value human connection and how to create for that connection is going to be such a beautiful journey. And I'm so glad that I get to walk that journey with each of you. So thank you both so much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into today's episode. Thank you, Alana, for joining us on the episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. A little plug, if you want to find my work, go to my Instagram page at story.well. I don't have the change.org petition up yet, but if you follow that Instagram page, I will update you. And yeah, also check out my TEDx talk. Just search up Teens, Technology, and the Antidote by Ilana Wynn. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Next Wave podcast, brought to you by Headstream, an initiative by Second Muse designed to improve and empower youth well-being through digital technologies. Learn more today at headstreaminnovation.com. We'll see you next time on The Next Wave.